Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. When it comes to life, there's a lot of events that rocks us, right? There's things that when we look back, we say, wow, that was life-changing for the good and some also not for the good, right? You look at getting married, having children, for, for us now being grandparents, hey, it's so amazing. At the same time, there's other challenges, losing a, a loved one and maybe losing a job or struggling when it comes to your health. There's some challenges we face in life and there's some turning points in life. And when it comes to our, our faith, uh, there's also turning points. And when it comes to being a Christian, the cornerstone, like I mentioned a, a moment ago, it's the resurrection of, our, uh, of Jesus Christ. And, and the resurrection of Jesus changed everything. Uh, the, resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus gave us a hope too because one day we will experience resurrection too. Jesus made a way for us to experience the Father one day fully. And with no suffering, with no pain and no tears, right? It's going to be amazing. And at the same time, we can experience the power of his resurrection to do life, and that's what we want to see. And so, so this morning, like I said, we want to just stop and, and, and see what the resurrection does to us and, and what the resurrection wants to fulfill in our lives. And, and uh, if you have your Bible, take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we see Paul talking about the resurrection in chapter 15, verse 1 to 8, he, he gives the, the Apostle Creed. He talks about what we believe. He talks about the death of Jesus, that he rose again after three days. He talks about Jesus appearing to 500 men, and probably more when you count the ladies and the kids. Uh, he, he talks about um, uh, Jesus appearing to James, to the disciples, and, and, he, and he talks about that. He says, the resurrection is pivotal um, for the church, and that letter of 1 Corinthians was written 20 years, 20 years after the, the resurrection of Jesus, so it was pretty fresh, and the church was already established then, and so, and, and even in that letter, he talks about what he taught in the past in regard of the resurrection, but he really wanted them to know that the resurrection was real, and he wanted to tell them that the reason why the resurrection uh, why is it real for him? It's because of, of what, when Jesus revealed himself in his life on his way to Damascus, but also what caused him to do what he did was because of the resurrection. And I want to read a few verses to you. Uh, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, it says, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, and we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. So what he's saying, he says, if the resurrection is not true, well, we, we lied about it. And if the resurrection is not true, then your faith is pointless. And, and, and you see that that's not what the apostle Paul is and what he did. At one point, he persecuted the church, Right? And then he has this encounter with Jesus where Jesus says, 
while you persecute me on the road to Damascus, it changes life. And, and now he is a defender of the Christian. He is the one that brings forth the message of Christ. Something happened. And if you look at verse 19, it says, and if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world, saying, we go, we went, we're going through all this. If this is not true, like, <laughs> why, right? In verse 20, it says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He's the first of the great harvest of all who have, who have died. And he talks here about that one day we will experience resurrection because of his resurrection. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, the second letter, he writes to the Corinthians, and he talks about his testimony. He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once um, I was stoned, left as dead, and three times I was shipwrecked. And he talks about his credentials that are not on paper, but his testimony of him living for the cause of the kingdom. And if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Look at verse 30, he says, and why should we ourselves risk our lives hour by hour? Why would we do this if the resurrection was not true? That's what he's saying. In verse 32, same thought. And what value was there in fighting wild beasts, those Ephesians, those people in Ephesus? It's, it's, you wouldn't want to be called like that, eh? <laughs> Fighting wild beasts, those people in Ephesus. And he had it really rough. If, there's, if there will be no resurrection from the dead. And look what he says. And if there's no resurrection, let's feast and drink, for tomorrow we die. And, and Paul, we know that he didn't live according to the last phrase, let's feast and drink, for tomorrow we die. Because he knew about the resurrection First of all, because of the encounter he had on the road to Damascus, and also because, well, mainly because of the relationship that he had with Jesus, but also looking at the, the Old Testament and the life of Jesus and to see it match like, to, like a glove on a hand. And so, so when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, what Paul is saying, hey guys, we're willing to die for this. We're willing to die for this belief of the resurrection. And, and so for Paul, it was very real that Jesus rose from the dead, and he laid, it, he laid his life uh, for that cause. And when we look at the spread of the gospel in the early church, it took 200 years before Rome was conquered with the gospel. 200 years, that is extremely fast. They had no resources, no money, no political gain. They were living in a, in a nation where it was polyistic and even in um, all kinds of beliefs. They worship all kinds of idols and, and so on. So it was against the main, the main thought of being monotheists where you believe in only in one God. So they had everything against them. And in 200 years, basically, it becomes the faith of the Roman Empire. It's unreal when you think about that. And the reason why that was so... Uh, that, that happened is because of personal testimonies. So many people witnessed the resurrection. Like it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he appeared to 500. 
And also when he rose from the dead, before he was ascended, he spent 40 days with his disciples. We don't know how many people he's encountered. We don't know how many people he talked to. And then we think about the upper room in Acts chapter 2 where they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they saw the difference between before and after when it comes to the disciples. So when we look at the early church, it was charged up. And people had encounters with God. And the reason why it, was, it went so far is because it was not one man. It's, like, it's not like Jesus wrote about himself. Actually, he wrote nothing about himself. And there's, not, there's, no one, like, there's no one that was written about as much as Jesus. You look at all the different writings about Jesus in the early church, in the, in the history of the church, it's unparalleled. And, and, and so why was it so powerful? It's because it was personal. And so when it comes to Christianity, what we're celebrating today is pivotal for us to understand and, and to take a hold of because the resurrection changes everything. And so when it comes to the resurrection, um, I believe that believing in the resurrection causes me to be a follower of Jesus. I, I really believe that when you believe in the resurrection, it causes you to follow Jesus. Do you think that after they saw the risen Lord, that they looked at Jesus walking with his glorious body, with holes in his hands, on his side, on his feet? Do you think they said, oh, that's pretty cool. Let's go back home and just pretend it never happened. Do you think that they were able to move on from that moment, from that event? Never. We're scored in a good way for life, Right? If you would see someone that was crucified coming back to life and then walking with a glorified body, you would say, well, okay, so that should play on my life, right? It should influence the way I, I do life. And it really did. Because when we look at the life of the disciples, they basically, well, they all died for the cause of the kingdom. Even the disciples of the disciples died for that truth of the resurrection, and so when it comes to believing in the resurrection, does it make sense that if Jesus is risen from the dead, then it should cause me to follow him? Absolutely, right? And if you look at the word Christian, the first time it was mentioned was in Antioch, in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. It says the disciples were called Christian first at Antioch. So, so they were called Christians from the world. The world looked at the church and say, and they gave them a name, Christians. Actually, the Christians did not like to be called Christians because it felt like this is, well, we're not, we, we, we don't deserve to be called little Christ because that's what it means, or our followers of Jesus, it's too much. They wanted to be only called believers and, and, and uh, people of faith. Uh, they had a problem to, to say, well, I'm a Christian because it was a huge title to be a follower of Jesus or to be like a little Christ. And Christ means anointed one, to be little anointed ones. And, and so, but this is how they were called. They were called Christians. And Christian means follower of Jesus. And why were they following Jesus? Because Jesus was alive, right? If he would have stayed die, dead, if he would have stayed in the grave, there would have been no following Jesus because he's dead. But we know and we believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. And, and Paul knew that and the apostle knew it and the apostles of the apostles knew it and they died for it. And, and, I, and, and, and I believe in it because Jesus revealed himself to me in my journey. 
And Jesus came into my life, and Jesus rocked me when I was a teenager. Jesus became real in my life. And when I look at this, when I look at Scripture, I know he's risen from the dead without a doubt. When I look at history, when I look at the world, when I look at the chaos around, when I look at creation, and, and to think that it's just a fluke and, a, and just an accident or just chance, it's impossible. So when I look at how Christianity grew and the impact of it and the good of it, because like I said, there was no army, there's no war. It was love and obedience to be like Jesus, and it won people over, and it won people over because Christianity became real in them like Paul. Paul was able to be a, a witness because Jesus revealed himself to him, right? So, so the question I have today is, what does it look to follow Jesus? If the resurrection is real, and, and because it is real, it causes me to follow him, how does that look? If you have a Bible, take a look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And Jesus is talking, he's talking to some of the disciples at that time, but he did it to all of them. And he's there, and he looks at, at, at the future disciples, and he says, come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. And I believe that invitation still stands today. Because Jesus is risen. And because he's risen, a response to that resurrection is to follow him. It, get, me, get, get me right when I say this. It's impossible to believe in the resurrection and not having a response. Would you agree? If he is risen, there needs to be a response. If he's not risen, then there's not need to be, not, we don't need to respond. Like Paul was saying, if all this is not true, well, might as well drink and eat and be merry and die. But if he's risen from the dead, there should be a response. And when we look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, come and follow me. And, and I believe that invitation stands for today. But the question I have is, what does, how does that look to follow him? The first thing that we need to realize when it comes to be, or when we choose to be a follower of Jesus, after we believe in the resurrection, is to acknowledge who he is. I need to acknowledge who he is. I need to make a decision on how I view him. So today, or this week, or sometimes, I think we got, we got to do it for sure once, but we've got to culture it, culture, 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 culture it, culture it. Thank you so much for your help. I've got to say, I've got to look at, okay, do I really believe in the resurrection? Do I really believe that he's risen from the dead? And I need to come to a conclusion. Is he more than a historical figure? I need to make that decision. Because you can't follow Jesus if you don't see him as the resurrected Lord. And in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, John talks about, his encounter, and he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked, and what, and what our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. And he says, we want you to experience the same. We want you to touch. We want you to, to hear. We want you to see, talking about having an encounter with God. Like, when Jesus revealed himself to Paul on the road to Damascus, did he say, hey, Paul, you got to adhere to this doctrine? 
Do you have or you have to believe, to have this belief system or conform to this belief system? No. He says, why do you persecute me? It was a personal thing. For sure there's a need for doctrine. For sure it's important to have orthodoxy. Absolutely. But Jesus revealed himself to Paul on a personal level. And it says, parallel to this, with this in mind, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, that Jesus knocks at the door of the church of Laodicea, and he says, I want to have supper with you. Will you open the door and let me in so that we can have supper together? And what Jesus was saying is that he wanted to be personal. And when it becomes personal, this is where, where it becomes like contagious. And this is where, like I said earlier, Christianity went all over because it became personal. But I need, I need to realize that, that if I am a disciple, if I want to be a disciple of Jesus, I need to understand who he is. Understand in the way I need to acknowledge who he is. Secondly, if I want to be a disciple of Jesus, I need to acknowledge what he came to do. I need to understand his mission. I need to understand his heart. Like, if you believe that Jesus is risen from the dead, and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, then you got to realize why he came, right? And why he came was to rescue humanity. And you find that in John chapter 1, verse 29, where John the Baptist says, um, the next day John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus came to take away your sins. Jesus came to lay his life down. So, believing in the resurrection of Jesus causes me, causes me to, to acknowledge him. And also causes me to see the mission or see his heart. And, and it's to acknowledge what he came to do. So I want to see that. So when it comes to following Jesus because of the resurrection, I also need to realize that following Jesus involves a surrender. To follow Jesus involves a surrender. And there's a story, like there's a text of, of Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. I'll read in a moment. But if I give you the context, Jesus is talking about going to Jerusalem and to die. And he's talking with his disciples and he's saying to his disciples, hey, uh, I've got to go to Jerusalem. The Son of Man has to lay his life down. And, and Peter kind of freaks out and Peter says, time out. Uh, I don't want you to go. You should not go to Jerusalem, blah, 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 blah. And Jesus says to Peter, behind me, Satan. You're talking like the ways of the man of man, and, and that's not the will of the Father. And so Jesus chooses to go to Jerusalem, even if it was not the right decision for him. Would you agree? Like it would have been preferable to follow Paul Peter um, advice not to go, but Jesus had a mission and he came to lay his life down for us to be reconciled with the Father. And then he he says this in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciple, if any of you wants to be my follower, he must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save, save it. What Jesus is saying here, if any of you, he's talking to everyone. And then he goes and he says, and if you want to follow me, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. It's in the present. You must give up now your own way. So when it comes to Easter, Passover, the resurrection of Jesus, 
We need to understand that Jesus rules from the dead, causes me to be a disciple, or causes me to follow him because I believe that. And that causes me to live a life of surrender. And it's a, it's a big deal not to live for yourself. And we, we live in, in the Western world that it's all about us. Actually, we make Christianity about us. We, we, we make Christianity all about benefits and, and what we can gain from it. But following Jesus is forsaking our own ways. Following Jesus is to say no to my own agenda. Following Jesus is taking my cross and going to die. And when, when it talks about dying, it's not a physical death he's talking about, but a surrender when you say, I'm going to live for you. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a huge topic because I don't think that in the Western church we really get what it is to follow Jesus where we say, I'm leaving things behind. I'm first of all, I'm going to focus on God's kingdom. I'm going to live for the cause of the kingdom. I'm not going to live for me anymore. I'm not going to focus on me. I'm not going to be on the throne. I'm not going to be the aim. My, my life is not about having this American happy dream. We live in the, the American, we, we, we see the promotion of the, Amer, the American dream. And the American dream is about happiness. You think Jesus was happy to go to the cross? Well, yeah, he was joyful knowing of what was going to happen. But when he was in Gethsemane and he was talking to his father, what did he ask God? Can you remove this cup from me? But not my will, but your will. I'll drink it if you want me to drink it. Like he was living for the father. He came to do the will of the Father. He submitted his life, his will to the Father. And he says, Lord, Father, I will do your will. And I think it's the same thing for us today. If we believe in the resurrection, it causes me to follow him. And if I'm going to follow him, I need to surrender. I cannot build my own kingdom. I cannot only focus on my own things. I, can only, I can't only plan. I can't secure, find my security in my bank account or my retirement plan. I've got to realize that it has to be deeper than that. It has to be deeper than, than just for my benefit and my, my, my things and my comfort and my life. That's not the gospel. That's not what we find in scripture. And so Jesus was pretty blunt, right? So Jesus, did he think about how many people will I lose when I'm going to say that? Did he say, okay, if I'm being that blunt, well, how many people will, will walk away? No. He was very direct. He said to the crowd, hey, if you follow me, let go of your life. Pick up your cross and be willing to lose everything for my sake. It's, it's strong, right? It's strong. But, but the blessing is that if you choose to die, if the seed goes in the ground and dies, it will produce a tremendous fruit. And the fruit is that God will multiply or work through you and minister through you to other people. So we want to see that, right? So following Jesus involves a surrender. So how do I follow Jesus? How do I see that in my life? I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says, Do not get drunk with wine which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when you are filled with wine... You are under another influence, right? 
If you're filled with wine, you're under the influence of, 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 of the, the alcohol. That's why you don't drink and drive, because you're under the influence of, the, of alcohol, and you're, you're not seeing properly. You're, you're not as quick when it comes to reacting to different things that comes your way. And, and here, Paul says, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, so to be a disciple of Jesus involves a surrender, but also involves God. I can't do it on my own. I need to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I need to be energized with your Holy Spirit. Like it, it's kind of a, a desire to be a disciple. It's like, Jesus, you're risen from the dead. I want to follow you. Okay, I'm going to let, I, I'm, I, I'm going to, I'm going to lace things aside. I, I will ask you to fill me. I will ask for your word, to take, your word to take root in my life. So it's an amazing text when you look at the call to be disciples. And if you look again at Matthew chapter 4, verse, verse 19, we find the reason why Jesus is calling them and calling us. If we read again Matthew 4, verse 19, it says, Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of one. Fishes of men, and at once they left their nets and followed him. We find the intention of Jesus for his followers to make them fishers of men. If you're a believer and you believe in the resurrection, you're placing yourself in this, this, on this platform or on this path of seeing Jesus make you a fisher of men. And being a fisher of men is like Matthew 28, to go and make disciples of every nation. And so the desire of Jesus is for you to believe in the resurrection so that you can follow him, so that he can make you a vessel that he wants to flow through, he will flow through you. Do, you, do we realize that God has, wants to empower us to make a difference in the life of others? That if the resurrection of Jesus is true, it will cause me to see him transform me in the inside so I can be a testimony for him, so I can be a witness for him, so I can make a difference for him. If we look at everyone here in this place, in Morden, uh, in the overflow, those watching online, if we would put a map of, of where we live and where, um, where we work or what's our influence, it would be amazing to see that we're everywhere. It would be amazing to see where God has planted us. And so God has called you to follow him. And following him involves him making you making you a fisher of men. And so God wants to work through your life. And so what happened is that we believe in the resurrection and then we just do life and we forget the call that God has placed upon our lives. And that call, it's to go and make, and make disciples. And we see here his desire for me and you. It's to give me his heart and, and, and to live beyond myself. And, and you look at the response of the disciples. We see it as a simplistic response, right? You say, oh, well, they had nothing to lose. They only had their nets. And we say, it's more complicated here. It might be more complicated, especially for us that lives in, that experience winter, like we do. But leaving their nets, they left their nets, and they followed Jesus. Pretty amazing, right? So Jesus came and said, come and follow me. And they looked at him. They, some of them had witnessed miracles and signs that he had performed. But they left their nets and followed him. 
What, what, a, what a message, right? What, what a challenge for us to be a follower of Jesus. I, I don't think you can follow Jesus and, and keep your nets. Forsaking your nets doesn't mean that you quit your job or you do something else, but maybe for some of you it might be that. God will ask you to leave and go someplace and to be an ambassador for him wherever he calls you to be. But when it, when it comes to leaving our nets, it's to live beyond ourselves for ourselves. To think that our business is way beyond and for us. Or looking at the talents that we have and the abilities that we have, that's, it's way bigger than, than, than for us. It's to step out in faith and say, God, use me. Use me for you with what I have. And I believe that when you do that, God will use you and, and, and change you. But we need to get away from the thought that we believe in the resurrection and there's no response to it. We've got to, we've got to get away from that belief. We've got to get away of the belief that it's possible to believe in the resurrection and having no response there must be a response. There should be a response. There has to be a response because he's risen. Well, if, not, if he's not risen, then there's, not need, there's no need for a response. So my challenge for you as I step on your toes this morning is that you would, that you would realize that the resurrection of Jesus should change the way we live our lives, should cause us to go before him and say, God, what do you want to do in my life? Cause us to pray and say, God, use me. Here's my life. Use it for your glory. Should cause me to say, God, fill me up with your Holy Spirit. I want to make a difference. Should cause me to surrender my life and not live only for me. To live beyond me and to carry my cross and lay my life down. That's what the resurrection calls. And that's what we're celebrating today. That's what happened in the early church. That should that should, that's what should happen in our church today. Amen. I would ask you to stand. Father, we thank you so much for the plan of salvation from Genesis to the gospel. And, and through the Old Testament, and when we look in the epistle, even in the book of Revelation, we see the call that you have to draw us close to you. Lord, you've called us to you. And the cross is, is the place where we meet you. And the resurrection is where we stand in you and we walk a walk that honors you. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're watching from Morden or you're watching online or you're in the overflow. Maybe you, you have to, maybe you're here and you have to recommit your life to Jesus. You have to review if you believe in the resurrection or not. You have to come to the point and say, yeah, I believe that you're risen from the dead. Now, Lord, change me so I can live out that power uh, through that power so that I can make a difference in the people that are around me. But I want to see a change in me, Lord. Maybe you're here and you're not following Jesus. Well, I want to let you know that Jesus came to rescue you, to save you. He came to save your life, 
Just say yes to him. Maybe you're here and you've walked away from the faith. You are lukewarm. Turn to Jesus. Call upon his name. We live in the year of the Lord's favor. It's the year of grace. We can experience him if we open up with a sincere heart. He will move in. And maybe you're here this morning and and you believe in the resurrection, but there's no response. There's no response. Just pray for the, the repentance of that and the surrender to him and say, I want to respond to the resurrection. I want to carry it. I want to follow Jesus. I, don't, I want to surrender to him, and I want him to empower me, and I want him to make me a fisher of man. I just pray, Father, for the work of your Holy Spirit upon every heart this morning, that you would go beyond my words and that you would just come and sow, Lord, the call that you've placed on the church to recognize you as the risen Lord and that it would cause us to be your followers and we would commit our lives to follow you, follow your ways, follow your word. So just pray that you be honored and glorified in our lives, Lord. I just pray that we would not feel condemnation, but we would, we would experience a, 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 an invitation that you're giving us to follow you. So be glorified, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.